Welcome back to the Worthy is He podcast. This is Chip Stewart. It's Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. And uh, during this episode, I'd like to talk about the phrase that that I've heard, uh, which is, Jesus will meet you where you are. Um, But before um, I go into that, I I encourage you to go back and listen to episode 19 of my podcast. It was recorded in late April 2023, and it's called Repent? Um, I think it gives uh, another uh, bit of information that you need to understand the criticality of repentance in salvation, because I'm going to talk about that and use some different verses um, in this episode that that um, tell us that we need to repent to be saved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, um, and so that would be good additional information for you if you haven't already listened to it. Uh, one thing I do want to share with you is on my way down to Florida this past weekend, stopped at a gas station, and there was two men standing outside with tables and um, Christian items that, that had been handmade out there, like necklaces and carvings and, and things like that. So I went up to them, I approached them and asked them, um, you know, who they were, what they what, what they were doing. And um, the two men there were AJ and Chappelle. And they work for uh, a ministry called Project Hope Florida. And their mission is to rescue lives from addiction uh, give, and giving hope to those in crisis. Um, the, um, the operation they work for, uh, it's a free 12-month residential Christian discipleship process. That's what they offer. And uh, to me, it sounds very similar to the Seven Bridges to Recovery program here in Atlanta. I honestly don't know much more um, about the program that they're offering. This is the first time I've heard of it. Um, they're the only two people that I've met in regards to it. But um, I, I can tell you that, especially in this time, um, with with um, the danger of addiction, the power of addiction, that we need people like this to help um, those who are caught up in addiction um, to, to get out of it and go through it and um, do it in a Christian way. I mean, we can we can bring people out of addiction, but if they don't have Christ, then okay, yeah, they, they don't have addiction. But when it comes time for them to die, they, you know, they're going to hell. They're they're going to end up in the lake of fire. So I, I love this type of program where it it preaches Christ to them. It shows them Jesus Christ, so that they have the the eternal salvation, um, and they they are healed eternally, if you will, um, which is which is definitely hope. Um, it's, it's a hope beyond just being cured of, of your addiction. It's hope of a Savior, hope of the one who died for us, that, um, that we may spend eternity knowing um, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and the Father. Um, if you're interested in knowing more about the program, uh, if you know somebody maybe that could take advantage of it, um, I'm going to put the, the, um, the URL, um, the website, in, in the show notes. So you can go check those out. Um, and uh, they also have recovery centers in Texas and Arkansas. And um, a phone number on here is uh, 844-357-4673 on, on the card that, uh, that AJ um, gave me. But um, very, very, very critical type of ministry um, for, for those who are suffering from addiction out there. All right, so let me, let me get into what I like to talk about during this episode. And um, it, I, I've heard this phrase, Jesus will meet you where you are um, more than once. I, I don't know how many times, but I've heard it in sermons. I've heard people say that. 
And, you know, I, I have trouble processing what that really means. Let me explain. I, I, I'm i not bragging. I just, this is what I do. I read the scriptures. I try to read it daily. And I have six bookmarks in my Bible. I have one in the Torah, the, the Pentateuch. Um, I have one in the histories. I have one in the wisdom books. I have one in the prophets. So that's the first four. And then I have one in uh, the gospels. And then I have one in the epistles. And I rotate through. I, I read all. I read every time I sit down and read. I read all from all six areas. And I just keep rotating. And, I, and when I'm done at the end, I go right back to the B and I keep reading through it. Um, my my idea is you know just to to fill myself with scripture and I get to know who God is. And I don't know if you've figured this out with my podcast, but I'm trying to discover what God is saying, trying to rid myself of any preconceived notions that I may have gotten from different teachings I've received in the past. I, I just want to know what God says. Let scripture define and interpret scripture which I find is very useful as you read the New Testament, going back to the Old Testament, you'll see themes develop and reinforcing ideas. Um, and, and you really understand God's heart, what, what is important to him, um, what he loves, what he blesses, what he hates, you know, why he had to send a savior. Um, so when, you know, with that in mind, I hear something like, Jesus will meet you where you are, and it just doesn't compute. I, I can't figure out where that's being taken from in the scriptures, because there's really nothing that says that. I, and I've gone online, I've, I've looked at some of the supporting scriptures that people will, will have there, and they generally are very, um, sometimes taken out of context, like I stand at the door and knock in Revelation, which is a condemnation of <laughs> a rebuke of the church. Like, hey, I'm outside your church um, because you are being so disobedient. You've, you've completely left me. Um, but if you know, I'm outside knock and not, you know, those who answer it, well, I will, you know, I will enter. Um, and then others are close, but they really don't give you that sense of Jesus will meet you where you are. There are, there are other scriptures that um, are, are much more serious, much more supported as far as what you need to do as far as coming to Jesus Christ and, and being saved. And I know that, I, I figure, I, I, I suspect that those who use this phrase are not, are good intention. They're not meaning anything bad by they're not trying to be you know deceptive or anything like that um i don't think i I think sometimes they use it to try to um underscore the fact that you don't work to get to heaven there's no workspace righteousness which which is true You, you can't work to get to heaven but there is a specific way um that you do and and that is we are told that we need to repent we need to confess the fact that we're a sinner before God. That's how we come to Jesus Christ. That's the first step is to repent because we're in rebellion against him. And we need to recognize that fact and confess that to our Lord saying, you are right, I'm wrong, I'm a rebel, and fall at his feet. And and, and subject and basically fall upon fall upon his mercies, basically. When when you don't confess and, and you say Jesus will meet you where you're at, it seems to kind of, in my mind, leave you somewhere in the middle. 
it's almost like in a position of negotiation rather than surrender. Um, but negotiation with, with Christ as far as what your salvation is. That, that sounds kind of awkward, and, and that's just kind of my thought on it. But it, you, you don't have that full surrender that God is, is um, requiring of us when we come to Jesus Christ. Um, sometimes I, I suspect that, that maybe by using this, it's softening the gospel message to make it more attractive to fallen humanity. And I think that that's really a, um, an unfortunate approach to um, bringing people to Christ. And I, sometimes I think people are motivated by wanting to fill the pews, um, bring people into church as if it's a social club or something like that. Um, but um, we have to remember that those, you know, enter by the narrow gate and, and those who enter are few. So it's not about numbers. It's about bringing people to Christ. And, and he's told us how to do that. That's through um, repentance. Um, also, it makes it sound like, you know, Christ is going to come to you, you know, in, in your position without that repentance and, and that he's going to enter in some sort of negotiations with you. I, it's just kind of, kind of weird. Um, but, but I think we know that we don't negotiate with, with, um, the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. Um, we come to him on, on bended knee and we do his will. We're obedient um, to him. So based on that, um, I, I, I'd like to suggest that instead of using wording like Jesus will meet you where you are, um, perhaps um, we use the words of Christ himself when we call people to repentance and faith. Um, first, the first thing I want to point out when the scriptures is, is Christ advises us to come to him. And there's several scriptures that, that state this. Um, when you turn to Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 29, he basically tells us to come come to him, all who labor and are heavy laden, and, and take his yoke upon us. It says here, At that time Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows a father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Come to me. He's directing this. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. So now you're another action. Take his yoke. Come to him and take his yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Another directive. Learn from Christ. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's directing us, come, take, learn. So he's, it, there's not that, the, the action is upon us to come to him in this, and it's not Jesus meeting us where we're at. Because those things, we are changing. We're coming to him in repentance, and, and I'll, I'll read some verses here in a minute that, uh, that underline that, that underscore that, that fact. Um, but we come to him, we're taking the action, and then we take our, his yoke upon us, and then we learn from him. Um, another verse, um, also in Matthew, in, in chapter 19 this time, and he says, let the, the little children come to me, in verses 13 and 15. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. 
So again, that direction to come to him. He wants the children to come to him, not him to them. They are coming to him. John chapter 6, verses 35 through 40, he says here, Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said, but I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. So the Father here is involved in it. The Father is giving us to the Son, but we come to Christ because of that. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And then in John chapter 6, starting in verse 41, it says in this passage, No one comes to Christ unless the Father draws him. So the Father is active in drawing us to Christ, but we're still coming to Christ. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So this certainly has echoes of of communion that we take um, in our churches. But again, in this passage, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So we're coming to Christ. He is not meeting us where we are. Luke chapter 13, verses 22 through 30 We must strive to enter through the narrow door. So I I add this one because it's our action. We're striving to enter through the narrow door. We're not being met somewhere. We're striving to enter through the narrow door. He went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at that door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at, the, at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. So strive to enter 
through the narrow door. The door is Jesus. So he's directing us, Jesus directs us to come to him. And, and as part of coming to him, we need to repent and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So again, I encourage you to go back and listen to episode number 19 if you haven't done so already, um, which I published back in April of this year, 2023, and it's called Repent. Um, but I want to share some other scriptures that I didn't include in that one. This is, this is the three parables in Luke chapter 15, which they all talk about the joy that is in heaven of the, of the sinners who are repenting. And I think some of these, um, at least one of them, is used as somewhat support of supporting Scripture for Jesus will meet you where you're at. But I, I kind of want to look at it in a different perspective here um, to talk about the repentance. So the first one um, is the parable of the lost sheep, where this is Jesus finds the lost sheep who repents. And I'll explain that at the end. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. Jesus tells them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home... He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. And this is the important part of the parable, I think, in verse 7. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. So here is them going to, that's why I say it's the sheep that repents, if you will, because he's comparing this the joy of finding that lost sheep is the joy of bringing that one sinner who repents into the sheepfold, finding the lost sheep who has repented. Then the next parable is of the lost coin. And I think this underscores that the sinner who repents is of much value to God. He says, starting in verse 8, Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So again, that, that joy of the one who is lost being found, but that, that lost one repented and was found. And then finally, we have the parable of the prodigal son which starts in verse 11. I'll read through the, the entire parable and uh, explain it. As, uh, just hit some highlights as we go through. And Jesus said, and he said, there was a man who had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the share of property that's coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? Isn't that a truth of, of our Father in heaven? He our cup overflows. 
with him. He tells us not to be anxious, to worry about what we'll eat or what we'll wear. He has enough for us. He's our father. Let me continue with verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This is repentance. I have sinned against heaven and before you. He's repenting even before he he comes to his father. And I think, you know, as we get to the picture of the father coming to him, seeing him a long way off, it's that our father in heaven knows when we repent and accepts us. Those who repent and accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So verse 20, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So he, he saw him from a, a long way off in his repentant state and, and ran to him. But, but notice that the father didn't meet him where he was in the, in the pigs. He didn't come to find him until he didn't come to him until he came back in repentance. I think that's a key element here. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. So it goes back to these other two parables that talks about the joy in heaven and the joy before angels when sinners repent. And I I think that's the joy that we as fellow Christians should feel when we see our brothers and sisters being baptized. And and we should rejoice because those are sinners who repented, just like in in these parables here. I'll continue reading. I'd like to read through the rest of this parable here. Um, Continuing verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, These many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother, this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. I think this is the story of of all the sinners who repent and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We were lost, and then we're found. We were dead, and then we became alive in Christ. It is a cause for celebration, not only here through the celebration of baptism, but also a celebration in heaven when sinners repent and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord. I think it happens. I believe this, and I think it. I, I think that he is telling us that there is celebration in heaven every time someone comes to Christ. So to um, to kind of wrap this up, I I, I, I want to say that to come to Jesus in any other manner besides repentance and accepting Him as Lord and Savior, it risks a false profession from from one 
who, who doesn't repent and acknowledge themselves as rebellious sinners against God in heaven. And, and, you know, they may be coming with the motivation to, you know, take Jesus on to have, you know, make their life better, get rid of one sin out of their lives that they don't like, um, instead of, of complete surrender and accepting their new master. And, and, and the one who doesn't repent is in danger of falling away. And this is described in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, starting verse 18, when it's explained, when it's explained here. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That's one possibility. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. Another possibility. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. I think this is a third possibility, because normally when our Lord talks about those who are unfruitful, they're usually not his servants. I could be wrong on this, um, so I'm not going to come out strongly, but um, I think it's a warning to us that you know we shouldn't we shouldn't let the cares of the world and riches choke our fruitfulness. And then finally, in verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. So this new master I talk about, Jesus Christ, he, he's the best, most glorious master that you can have. And, and among other things, he is holy, righteous. He's the good shepherd. He is the truth. He is the light of the world. He is the bread of life. That's good news. You have the best master you could ever, ever ask for. You're in a very safe and secure position. Now, one major event that happens in the scriptures when Jesus comes to meet people where they are, this, this kind of came to mind as I was preparing this, um, but he's coming to meet people where they are, but without their repentance. And this can be found in Revelation when he comes riding on a white horse to claim his kingdom and to tread wicked humanity in the winepress of God's fury. You do not want Christ to come to you in this way. So Revelation chapter 19, starting verse 11. Then I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So don't expect Jesus to meet you where you are without repentance. I suggest that instead of waiting for Jesus to meet you, Fall down before him, repent of your sins, and accept him as your Lord and Savior. Do it this day. Come to him with no preconditions, 
But know this, that you are surrendering to your creator who afterwards will care for you as a good shepherd cares for his sheep. This is the only way. Amen.